Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Foundry, whether you're joining us in person or online. My name is Seth, and we are all about a better you and a better world. We start a brand new series today called She Speaks, We're talking about sitting at the feet of Lady Wisdom. Over the next couple of weeks, what we're going to be doing is looking at this ancient wisdom tradition that's found in the Old Testament and looking at how this instructions, these proverbs, this insight that was written thousands and thousands of years ago actually has a whole lot to say to us today in our modern world. You know, between a year like 2020, a year like the beginning of 2021, which is a bit weird, and who knows what else will happen in this year, between all of that and then living in a culture and a world that seems to have lost its ability to properly weigh what's important, it seems to have taken a bit of a toll on us. People are wrestling with all kinds of things, wrestling with stress, fear, anxiety, um, anger. People are not sleeping well. People are having issues, uh, which can lead to other things like depression, which can lead to frustration, which can lead to sometimes a questioning of the faith, which can lead to an unsettledness. It's just so much. Uh, and this is where something like this ancient wisdom tradition can actually be really helpful. Uh, it can, in fact, help guide us in a way that will help bring us out of the funk that we may have been, been experiencing. It may help, help us to navigate the world in a better kind of way, help us to bring, bring to us a new, a new way to see and understand life. And the truth is, Stress, fear, anxiety, worry, these are nothing new to humanity. This has been happening since we've existed, right? This is nothing new. This has been going on. But what the wisdom tradition does is that it exists to help keep us grounded and centered and helps us to bring a sense of calm and peace and joy to our lives so that we can be clear-headed, open-hearted, full-hearted, and engaged with this life intentionally. So for this series, we're going to be operating primarily out of the book of Proverbs. We'll be hitting a few other things as well along the way, but primarily Proverbs. Proverbs itself was written by King Solomon around 10th century BCE. The word proverb in the Hebrew text means message, so it's these proverbs, these messages that he's written for us. And um, the, these, these proverbs and messages are like these short, compact statements um, about the truth of life and about human behavior. Uh, this book is, it's a beautiful piece of literature itself, the, the, the wisdom tradition, especially the Proverbs. It has all kinds of like simile and metaphor. It uses humor. It uses warning. It uses comparisons. It's just this beautiful, beautiful book. Um, the book of Proverbs uh, itself is a very it's a very practical book. It's way more practical than it is theological, right? So it's this very practical book that deals with the art of living. So I'm really, really excited for this series. And once we get into this, you'll see and hopefully be excited as well. So from the very beginning, the onset of the book of Proverbs, it starts by telling us what this book is for. So I want you to take a look at this, Proverbs chapter 1, right out of the gate. The, uh, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young, 
Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discretion give, uh, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Okay, so right out of the gate, he's saying from the very beginning, what I'm writing here is not just like nice little sayings to discuss and then to move on from. What he's saying is that these things that I'm writing are actually help, are, are, are to, help, uh, <coughs> to help you live better, to help you come to the place where you make decisions that will lead to a life which is good and life-giving. Okay, so the book of Proverbs uh, opens with the Proverbs son uh, Solomon, the Proverbs, man, I am not talking properly. Sheesh. She speaks. He cannot. <laughs> the Proverbs of the... It's been a long weekend. The Proverbs... This is the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, for the purpose of gaining wisdom and instruction. Let's get back on track. The word for wisdom in the Hebrew text is the word hokmah, which is a really interesting word. Uh, it's in its feminine form here when it's used, uh, and it's knowledge, but it's not just knowledge. It's knowledge coupled with an inner quality that embodies a heart and a life in conformity with the purposes and character of God. Right? So it's not just knowledge. It's, it's bigger than this. It's deeper than this. This word, again, is in the feminine form. It's a type of knowledge, but it's a type of knowledge that comes from aligning yourself with the divine. Now, what you see throughout the wisdom that we'll be talking about is that wisdom, you know, it, 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 the word itself is in this feminine form, but it also is like descriptive and described as being a woman. So wisdom in the, uh, in the Old Testament here in this ancient wisdom tradition is personified as a woman. Let me give you a few examples here so you can kind of see and get a feel for this um, about who she is and what she is like. Proverbs 1.20, out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she mark, uh, makes her speech. Chapter 3, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you can desire can compare with her. Next chapter, I think it's chapter four. Oh, sorry, this is still going. Long life is in her right hand, and her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Next chapter, chapter four, you see it again. Do not forsake wisdom, and she will protect you. Love her, and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you, embrace her and she will honor you. She will give you a garland to grace your head and present you with a glorious crown. Or you see it in chapter 8, does not wisdom call out, does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way where the paths meet, she takes her stand Beside the city gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud. To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. 
Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. She's pers- wisdom is personified as a woman. And, and even just think about what you learn just in those couple chapters and those couple verses, what you hear about wisdom. In fact, uh, that, that first line, it says uh, that wisdom is a woman who calls aloud. This, this word aloud, by the way, is this word terona. And Torona means to sing for joy. So in that first line, you, you could read it this way. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. Out in the open, wisdom sings for joy. So wisdom is this woman who's singing for joy, who's inviting us to come and experience that kind of joy, to experience her in that way. In chapter three, we see that she is so very valuable, more precious than rubies. We see that her ways are pleasant and her paths are peaceful. We see that she's a tree of life that offers life to those who will embrace her. In chapter four, we see that she will protect you and watch over you and that she will give you a garland to grace your head. What's cool about this is at this time, uh, they would take a, a garland and put it on your head or like a crown or something. Uh, they would use this during times of like, uh, for like joyous occasions. So like a wedding or a festival, they would place garland on your head to celebrate this joyous thing that's happening. So she will watch over you and it will be this joyous occasion. And then in chapter 8, it says she raises her voice to all mankind. So she's calling out to all people, and she's inviting and, and letting us know that everyone can have access to her. Like, she's not calling people to a specific religion. She's calling people to this bigger thing. She's calling out to all humanity and inviting us to a better way of living. Now, here's the thing about wisdom. Uh, it's this invitation to all humanity, but Lady Wisdom has been around like for a long time. In fact, the scripture talks a lot about how she's been around like since the very beginning. And this to me is so incredible. You got to see this because I've been, this, these couple passages right here to me this week have just been like resonating within my being. Take a look at this, Proverbs chapter three. By wisdom... The Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. She's been there all along. Watch this, chapter 8. This, this to me is so beautiful and so profound. This is wisdom speaking. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water, before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth, I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep, when he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. When he gave the sea its boundaries so the waters would not overstep his command, and when he marked out the foundations of the earth, then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing always in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, and delighting in mankind. Like, what a beautiful incredible way to think about all of this, that wisdom has been around and present since the very beginning of all things. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. 
the Lord brought me forth as the first of his works. I was formed long ago at the very beginning. And then if you notice in verse 30, not only is it that she was around from the very beginning, after creation is, is, is like completed, it says, then I was constantly at his side. She watches creation and she's a part of all this. And then I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence, rejoicing in his whole world, rejoicing in mankind. So wisdom is personified as this thing, as this woman who's been present since the beginning of creation and delights in all that has been created. She delights in the earth. She delights in mankind. It's this incredible way to begin to think about wisdom. So she is this woman. She is for human beings. She wants to help humans thrive and to live a life that's filled with joy. And she's calling absolutely everybody to her. And when you align yourself with her, you are aligning yourself at the deepest level of your being with something that has been present and true within creation since the very beginning. Oh. You see, and the deeper you go into the ancient tradition, the more you're stepping into the flow of that which has been true and life-giving and present within the universe before the universe was formed. Are you beginning to see why maybe this is important for us today? Are you beginning to see how sitting at the feet of Lady Wisdom is something that would have a profound impact on our lives in the here and now. You see, we live in this world that's like this always getting faster sort of mode. It just keeps getting quicker and quicker. We live in a world where there's this 24-hour news cycle, and so we're being bombarded with all kinds of information from all different sources at all times of the day and at all aspects of our life. And it's like there's so much stuff going on it can, it can kind of feel a bit heavy if you let it. And, and it's interesting, too, because it's, it's like we've also lost this ability to, like, really weigh what's valuable and weigh what's important. So you've got, um, like, the other day I was, I was on, a, on a news website just to kind of look at, through some things, and it was like all the stuff that really doesn't make a difference in my life <laughs> was right next to all the stuff that does. And there was like no real difference or separation and hey, this is important, this isn't. It was just like, I don't really need to know like the status of Kim Kardashian and Kanye West's marriage, right? But it's there. I don't need to know what Tom Brady said in the locker room after the game, but it's there. And it's right next to all the other stuff that like actually matters. And if we're not careful, we can let all this bombardment of the news become, become this heavy thing that we carry with us. And it can really lead to a lot of anxiety and stress and nervousness and the world's falling apart and all this stuff. And, it's, and, and the, the beauty of like the ancient wisdom tradition is that in a world that keeps getting faster and faster and faster, the invitation here is to slow down to slow down and to take a step back. The wisdom tradition is an invitation for us to focus on what's been true and right all along. So when we talk about wisdom, we're talking about our ability to spot and to identify not that which is new, but that which has been true always. Again, can you see how something like this might be useful for us in our modern world? I've heard it said uh, about wisdom and, and this stuff in general, uh, where they said, um, in a world full of trouble, treble, 
what we need is some bass, right? This heavy, constant beat, the thing that's underneath all of it that can keep us grooving, keep us steady on the rhythm. In a world full of treble, what we need is some bass. You know I'm all about that bass. <laughs> about that bass. About that bass. When the world seems to be spinning, we need this deeper truth that's underneath all of this, that's giving us a sense of grounding. This deep bass that supports the song of life. That which gives us the steady rhythm to find the groove. That's why when you saw that image with the wisdom calling to us at the very beginning, it's this low rumbling, and you maybe thought like, oh, that's weird and strange, and I don't know how I feel about it. But in my mind, I already knew these passages talking about wisdom being there since the beginning of all things, and it's this deep thing underneath everything else. I kind of loved it. It's like, oh, that's what this whole thing is calling us to. Now, let me give you a couple more things about wisdom, and then we'll talk about one immediate practical thing that will help you to respond to the call of wisdom and help us along this journey. So the first thing is this. When it comes to wisdom, anyone can have it, and there's no limit to it. That's good news. Like, you don't have to be smart to have wisdom. And I said, amen, right? Yeah. You don't have to be smart to have wisdom. It's available to anyone. You were not born wise. You were not born with wisdom. Um, wisdom is something that's learned. It's something that's acquired. As you saw in the text, wisdom is calling out to all humanity. So it's something that everyone has access to. You don't have to be smart to be wise. There's a big difference between being smart and being wise. You know, I've known several people in my life that are extremely, extremely smart, but they're not very wise. And this actually is why you can see people who are like perceived as being very smart in their respective realms, but then they do something dumb and you're like, what? Like when you see like maybe a celebrity or a big business person or a politician, they tweet something really stupid and you're like, I don't get it. Or they send like an inappropriate picture to somebody and you're like, what were they thinking? That's, that's part of the difference. There's a difference between being smart and being wise. It, it, it's like uh, even within our educational systems, how do we test what's smart? Well, you take a test, and then it proves how much information and knowledge you can retain. If you're not a good test taker, you may be out of luck, right? But what do we do? We take the people that, can, that do well in these environments, and they get, if you have this extended education, you get to get, get the good job, and you get the more money, and but it doesn't mean you're wise. You can take a very successful person, maybe take a doctor, whatever, a guy that's very smart. I assume he's very smart. He knows about the body. He knows how to heal the body. He knows how to fix the body. But it doesn't mean that he's wise. There was a kid I went to uh, high school with. He graduated. He was super smart. He graduated with his associates at the same time that I graduated with my um, like high school diploma because <laughs> he was like that far <laughs> ahead of me. So so smart and as ditzy as the day is long, right? There's, or if you've ever heard somebody say, maybe you've said this about yourself or about somebody else, well, I'm more street smart than book smart. I'm more book smart than street smart, right? Acknowledging that there are these different kinds of knowledge. I would say one might be closer to wisdom than the other. You know, the, the reality is, the beauty of the wisdom is it's for everybody and there is no limit. When it comes to our cognitive intelligence, there's often a limit to what we're able to do. But with wisdom, you can grow in wisdom all the days in your life. Even in that passage in, in, in verse five, it says, let the wise listen and add to their learning. So even when you are wise, there's the ability to grow in that wisdom. The second thing is this. 
there's a particular uh, phrase that gets repeated throughout the wisdom tradition that I think we need to, to define a little better and give a little bit different understanding for, okay? It comes from this. It's in the very first chapter. We saw it, but you see this throughout the whole thing. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Other places it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now, um, the word for wisdom and knowledge here in the Hebrew text, uh, it does not have to do with being scared, it's not like, uh, it's not saying that wisdom will only come when you become terrified of God, right? As if you have to run, like run for your life or walk on eggshells. You're afraid that if you mess up or you do the wrong thing, then God's going to cut you down. That's not what it's talking about here, right? The, 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 the word for fear here has to do with this deep sense of respect and reverence and awe. It says the fear of the Lord the word for Lord here is the word Yahweh. Um, for thousands and thousands of years, people have been trying to name and describe ultimate reality, name and describe God. Yahweh is the term for Lord that was given to God by the Hebrew people if you go all the way back to the story of the Exodus, right? So the people are enslaved in Egypt for 400 years. They cry out to God, and this God hears their cry, and this God rescues, the, rescues them as slaves, brings them out of Egypt, right? What we often fail to realize sometimes in that story is that that is a huge story in, like, the history of human civilization, right? Up to this point, up to this time, the gods were always on the side of the slaveholders, the slave owners, right? They were favored by the gods is, is what allows them to, like, be above or superior to another group of people. So in this story, when the slave people, the slave people cry out, and this God hears their cry, and this God shows up, this is a big moment in history of like how the gods work. This God was on the side of the oppressed. This God was on the side of the slaves, and he rescues them. He liberates them from their slavery. So when, when we look at this thing, when Solomon writes, it's the fear of the Lord, He's referring to this Yahweh that his people would have known, this Yahweh who liberated their people, right? So it's the fear of the Lord. Uh, the, the fear of the Lord is when you have this holy respect for the power that can liberate you. And then when you put that into the context of a larger sentence, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what we talked about wisdom being this thing that's like underneath everything else since the very beginning, it carries with it this idea that when you have this holy respect, this holy sense of awe and reverence for the power that can liberate you, it allows you to connect to the deep truth of the universe, this wisdom that has been present in creation since the very beginning. Oh, I feel like that's a lot better than just saying, be scared of God and you'll know stuff. Okay, the third thing is this to keep in mind about Lady Wisdom. Yes, she is joyous, this joyous woman. Yes, she is incredible. Yes, she is inviting us to this new, better, different kind of way of living. But also, she's a bit spicy. She's a bit sassy. And I kind of love it. Like, <laughs> watch this verse, because this makes me laugh. I think this is fun. Um, but take a look. Since you disregarded all my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. <laughs> I will mock when calamity overtakes you. <laughs> it it kind of sounds like my wife sometimes. <laughs> 
Oh, you're going to do that? All right, let me know how that works out for you. Right? Like, so she's a bit spicy. She's a bit sassy. Oh, you want to do your own thing and not take the advice that's been like rooted into the universe? Okay, good luck with that. I'm going to have a good chuckle at your demise. Yeah. Right. So, so she's a joyous woman, but she ain't messing around. Right? All right. Uh, one more thing and we'll get to the practical part. One of the really important things to remember in, in this, about the wisdom tradition is that it's not just conceptual. Okay, it's not just these esoteric ideas that are meant to like, give us something to discuss and think. Like, it's not just good advice that I choose to pick up or put down. The wisdom tradition and the teachings were always understood as being these deep-rooted things for practical application into your life. And, and it wasn't just like, this will be better. It was like, this will be better for you on a deep level. Like, this will be better for like your overall physicality even, for the health of your body, for like the things like that they, it will bring peace and calm um, deeper within the self, right? This isn't just uh, follow the rules so that like you'll be right in God's eyes, something like that. This is, no, when you do these things and when you apply these things to your life, this will actually affect your physicality. And I don't know, I feel like normally we don't apply like following Christ to something that is a physical, has a physical effect maybe, but watch this. Uh, Proverbs 3, 7. Do not, let, uh, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. It's good for your health, like vitamins and spinach. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones, right? This is bigger than just do what the Bible says or else. Or This is about bringing life to your physicality. Okay, let me show you another one, Proverbs 3, 21. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. They will be life for you, an ornament to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Your sleep will be sweet. Anybody not sleeping well recently? Anybody having some health issues? Anybody dealing with any of this? Anybody, anybody need some of that deep base wisdom of the universe to help keep you grounded in the middle of the world that seems like it's spinning out of control? You see, the ancient wisdom tradition is about learning to live in a different sort of way. It's about learning to live a more full and life-giving life. It's about learning to live in a way that when you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Your sleep will be sweet. I mean, it's so incredible. I hope that you guys are excited about this series. We're going to be talking about so many good things. Next week, we're going to be talking about your heart. The week after that, we're going to be talking about your like energy, your time, your energy, how you use these things. The week after that, we're going to talk about how you use your words. It's all incredible stuff. So let me close here with just one simple practical thing that you can take with you that you can use immediately. It's really simple. You can begin to pursue Lady Wisdom today on your way out of here. Uh, and this is, it's, it's so simple. You're going to be like, that was it. But yes, that's it. Just go with it. Trust me. It's good. 
it really comes down to one question, okay? So if you were to take anything that you're currently struggling with, wrestling with, having anxiety about anything, any sort of situation you're dealing with right now, maybe it's uh, some sort of financial situation, maybe for you it has something to do with a particular relationship in your life, maybe it has something to do with a lack of a relationship in your life, maybe it has something to do with um, work, your job, a frustration, your kids, maybe it has something to do with whatever, whatever that wrestle struggle thing is, the next time you find yourself up against it, like it's really pressing or it's really in your face. First of all, I want you to remember that like you don't have to spin out of control. Okay? That's not even the thing. That's just a side note. You don't have to spin out of control. That's the whole point of the ancient wisdom tradition. That's the whole point of finding your groundedness and your centeredness in like the wisdom of the Bible in general and in Christ. That's the whole point. But beyond that, when you find yourself faced with this thing, really simple, pause, take a breath, and then you ask yourself this, what can I learn here? What can I learn here? Really simple. It's not earth shattering. It's not, but it is life-changing. What can I learn here? When you ask yourself that question, what is there in this thing that I can learn? Right? Ask yourself, what is the wisdom here that I can glean through all of this? You see, because what happens is when, when it comes to our problems, what we often do is we immediately try to fix the thing, right? Especially if you're a dude, we like to fix things. We want to fix the thing. But what you have to remember is it's not about the nail, right? That there's something bigger than just fixing the thing. And when you come up against this problem, this thing you're wrestling with, take a breath, pause. What can I learn here? Because this is about not just fixing the thing. This is about stepping into this ancient wisdom tradition, this thing, this truth that is rooted underneath all of creation, the base notes of life that God has put in place for us to tap into. And what do we know about wisdom? Is that she's always calling out. She's always crying out. She's inviting us to her with songs of joy saying, come to me, come to me, come to me. So you take a pause, you take a breath, and you ask, what can I learn here? She's inviting you to a better way of living. She's inviting you to something more. She's on your side. She's calling you to joy. She's inviting all of us to sing and dance with her. But it all starts by acknowledging that we don't have all the answers. There's this really great line in chapter seven, a couple lines um, that I think is fascinating. It says this, keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers and write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. And to insight, you are my relative. So in this ancient wisdom tradition, wisdom is personified as a woman who's calling out to all humanity with songs of joy for us to come with her, come to her, to align ourselves at the deepest level of our being with something that has been present within creation since the foundation of the earth. And this is the place that you will find grounding, 
This is the place you will find centeredness. This is the place that you will step into God's intended reality for your life. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. Say to the foundation of the universe, you are my relative. See, you are invited to know this thing, this wisdom, who rejoices at creation, who rejoices at the creator, and who rejoices and delights in humanity on this deeply personal and intimate sort of way. Say to wisdom, you are my sister. What a beautiful invitation. There's another beautiful invitation that we get to participate each and every day, each and every week, and that is the invitation of communion. You know, I was thinking, and it's not dissimilar to uh, the call of wisdom. She's crying out, "Come to me, experience joy, experience a deeper way to live." Sounds a lot like what Christ is calling us to. To me, come to me, all you who are burdened and worried and heavy laden and I will give you rest I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest we get to experience this invitation of Christ through this meal through this sacred meal of communion where we take this bread and we take this juice that represent the body and the blood of Christ that represents the love of God that is hard for us to comprehend in its fullness. We get to remember that it was his love for us that gives us freedom, that gives us grace, that gives us mercy. We get to remember that it was his sacrifice that brings us into relation with God. It's this beautiful invitation to come and share a meal with the divine. And so we're going to ask our servers to pass the, the, the trays. It's got the bread and the juice in it. We ask that you mask up just momentarily to receive that. And then we want to give you some space and time here to remember. And maybe you're in a place where you're struggling with something today. Maybe you bring this up in this time. Maybe you offer this to God. Maybe you invite God into the situation if you haven't already. Or maybe you ask wisdom to show me what I need to know here. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you uh, for these words that were written so long ago. These words that are as true today as they ever were. These words that inspire and encourage and lift up and invite us to something better. And sometimes, God, it's just nice to know there is something better, to be reminded of that. God, we thank you for moments like this that we can come and share a meal, that we can sit at your table, that we can express our heart and our mind. God, that we can open up and work on this relationship with you. God, we thank you that you loved us enough to hear our cries. God, that we as slaves to sin have now been liberated through your son. 
God, help us to maintain the fear of the Lord, the awe and respect for the one who liberates, who brings us freedom, and who invites us to wisdom. It's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.